This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Mark 7, 24 to 30. From here, uh, from there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Well, this is a doozy of a gospel story this morning. (laughs) One that often gets skipped over, I think, in church. I don't know why. Um, I do know why. Jesus doesn't come out looking so good in this text, so it's sometimes easier just to skip this one. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. For context, Jesus has just gotten away from a contentious argument with the Pharisees. If you were with us last week, you remember there was a an argument around certain rituals and traditions around food and eating and cleanliness and who you could eat with. And it was kind of a heated argument that Jesus had with the Pharisees, there was a crowd there, there was back and forth, and so he's a little wiped out from that. He's trying to get away. And so he and the disciples head out for the northern region of Tyre, about 30, it's about a 35 to 40 mile hike from the Galilee region. That's about, like if we went from here in Holland on foot down to South Haven, it's a good little walk. And then you get to South Haven, it's about 5 to 10 miles beyond that. So that's like an 11 to 12 mile, or 11 to 12 hour, I should say, hike. You imagine the disciples, Jesus, I know we wanted to get our steps in today, but this is is pushing it. And we're not given a lot of details on this story. Wouldn't it be great if we got some of the travel commentary and highlights? I mean, these gospel writers, especially Mark, are often a little thin on the details and the color commentary. Right? Did Andrew slow down the group? Take in a great view? Or smell the flowers? Was Peter sort of nagging, are we there yet? (laughs) Jesus? Who did they run into on the road? Did they pack snacks and a lunch? Or did they stop at some markets or gas stations on the way. You know what I mean. So many questions, right? 
But in any case, it's a long journey. They hike all day and then some. And this, of course, is on the heels of this emotionally charged run-in with religious authorities. And so it's understandable that Jesus was looking for some alone time. They've escaped Galilee and the crowds. They've hiked all day. They're way up north where he's less known. And verse 24 says, He entered a house and didn't want anyone to know he was there. Now again, more questions. Whose house was this? Right? Could you just walk into any house up north like that? That they called ahead for a rental? Was this an ancient Airbnb situation and they had arranged for a late check-in? But enough of that. The point is, he entered this house, didn't want anyone to know he was there. Maybe you can relate to that. But the word got out. Right? The word got out. And this poor woman with her daughter get the word that Jesus is there. And they figure out which house he's at. And they figure out how to get in. And this is a bold move by this woman. Because just about everything is working against her. Her gender her race, her religion, and presumably also her class. She's likely poor as well. On every level, right, she is in a marginalized place in society. But she does not let that stop her. She's a mother who's going to do whatever it takes for her child to be well. Even if it means to engage this male figure with authority. This Jew whose reputation of healing powers has obviously preceded him. But unbeknownst to her, right, her timing isn't great. Her timing isn't great. To say she's catching Jesus at a bad time might be an understatement. And yet this Syrophoenician woman finds Jesus and begs him to heal her daughter. She is desperate. And Jesus, as you might expect a male to do in that patriarchal society, kind of blows her off. But he doesn't just blow her off, does he? He insults her. Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. No, I didn't read that wrong. Jesus has just called her and her daughter dogs. Now, Jews consider dogs to be scavengers and unclean animals. And as I understand it, every reference in the Bible to a dog is negative. Sorry, you dog lovers. I think the Bible is only positive about cats, for the record. Or if it doesn't speak about cats, it would be positive. <laughs> But this is an insult from Jesus, right? This is an ethnic slur, a racist comment. And it might catch us off guard, right? Because we don't expect that from Jesus. We imagine Jesus rather to be the perfect human being, the son, sinless son of God. So this feels jarring. There must be a typo. Or we must be misunderstanding something here. 
And commentators historically have gone out of their way to show how this really isn't as bad as it looks. Male commentators, of course, in the record. I mean, even I have sort of laid the foundation to give Jesus a bit of an excuse, right? It's been a long day. He's tired. Want some alone time? But too often, right, we make excuses for men behaving badly. And historically, there's been a defense of men in power that women have had to put up with in the church and in society in general since time out of mind. But I think instead we need to say this was wrong. This was wrong. And that Jesus comes across here as a callous, privileged male who's kind of acting like a jerk. Normally now in Gospel readings, Jesus is the person to emulate the person we aspire to be like. But in this story, it's the woman. It's her voice, her tenacity, her speaking that should cause us to pause and listen. Jesus insults her and her daughter, but instead of hanging her head in shame, she receives his blow, sort of parries it, if you will, and returns an impressive salvo of her own. Sir, of course she remains deferential, sir, even the dogs eat the children's crumbs under the table. Well done. Well done. She is not going to take no for an answer. And feminist scholars note that this story is so moving because it shows a marginalized woman exercising her moral agency. What does that mean? All right, exercising her moral agency. It means she's not going to let circumstances, situations, cultural prejudices against her determine her path. She is her own active person, has her own active voice in determining her path. Elizabeth Schussler Fiorenza, a feminist biblical scholar, notes that this woman is a border crosser. In other words, she is crossing all kinds of things that are stacked against her. Borders of ethnicity, of religion, of gender, of class, and again, exercises her power, her moral agency, and her willingness to step out of feminine modesty, to speak in public, to intrude upon men's company in a time when that would have looked, been looked down upon or been inappropriate. That is what is central to the story, especially after receiving an insult from the very person she is seeking help from. Jesus is not the hero in this story. This woman is. But usually we're quick to say, but look, Jesus healed the daughter in the end. And he did. And he did. And we praise Jesus for his openness to her persistence. And I'm glad he did do that, and I'm not sure it would have made it into the gospel stories if he hadn't. But this story should give us pause, right? 
it should cause some introspection. We tend to always assume the best for Jesus, usually rightly so, but we'll give him a pass often, even in a story like this. But I think we could do the same for ourselves. Right? Yeah. How many times do people, vulnerable people, come looking for help? Physical help, spiritual help, emotional, psychological help, to the church. And the very ones who are supposed to be the helpers cause more harm. Can we hear this woman still speaking today? Can we hear her and see her persisting, insisting, pushing through all the obstacles in her path to get what it is she needs in this moment? And Chet Myers notes why it is critical for us to listen to her voice, especially critical for us who are working in just, for justice in this world in whatever level and on whatever front. He says, oppressed people often have a profound social analysis, a profound analysis, sorry, of social situations and know the path to justice. People in positions of authority need to listen to them. Did you catch that? It's often the people that we're seeking to help assuming we are in a place of, of privilege and trying to bring healing, equity, or justice to a certain situation. We assume we know what is needed. Chet Myers says often it is the ones we are seeking to help who actually know better than we do what is needed and what it is they need. And so we need to pause, recognize our privilege, and listen when we seek to engage folks in the community on any justice matter or equity work. And what often can creep in is what Steve Corbett calls knowledge paternalism. It's a good phrase. Knowledge paternalism, the idea that we have all the best ideas about how to do things. Again, we speaking from uh, a position of some privilege and those who are seen to be helpers in any given situation. And he gives an example. Uh, during the first several decades after World War II, the leading Western economists and agriculturalists concluded that peasant farmers in the majority world were not doing the best job farming. They were irrational, culturally backwards, because these farmers failed to adopt new varieties of crops that could bring a higher yield. Look, we're the scientists and the researchers. We know what we're doing and you don't so listen to us basically what they were saying to these farmers often poor farmers but the farmers insisted on using their traditional methods and their traditional crops and it turns out it's a good thing they did because subsequent research showed that while the new crop varieties could potentially produce higher yields they were also much more risky and could lead to 
It could be a boom or bust, feast or famine type of situation, which could leave these poor farmers in incredibly vulnerable situations in which their families, communities, and children could starve. So the failure of these outside, quote, experts to understand the realities of life on the ground led them to give life-threatening advice to these poor farmers and then demean the poor when they failed to listen to this expert advice. And I'm sure we could come up with many more examples of this sort of knowledge paternalism. And in our story, it's a voice from below, a voice from the margins. It's that voice that knows what is needed in this situation. In this case, she knew. And Jesus did not. He had to learn from her. Feminist theologians note that this Syrophoenician woman makes a critical contribution to women's voices in early Christian beginnings. She makes marginalized women historically visible. And even though much, through too much of Christian history, the voices of women have been excluded, repressed, or ignored, her voice refuses to be silent. To borrow a phrase, she is still speaking. Are we willing to listen? Amen. May it be so. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.